going the free route to do something self-taught is by far the most expensive way to go. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, and today on the podcast, I have Kevin Dunlap. Uh, he's been in real estate much of his life. He's a business coach. He's uh, he's also a mindset coach. So he's going to focus a lot on what he calls the winner's code and also a couple of different uh, mindset structures, archetypes, if you will, that he's developed over the years. So it's very interesting how you can break this thing called mindset down. And we talk deeply about this, about you know what it's like to grow a business and go from being the technician, you know, out there, landscapers and hardscapers and outdoor living professionals, you know, go from being the technician, the doer, to the manager, the manager that's a person who then watches and manages the doers, and then the entrepreneur who is then man, you know, watching and managing the managers and also the technician and all of that. So, how do you move through that different hierarchy? How do you do it? So, we're going to talk about that today. And uh, a little little spoiler alert, guys, it's it's all about your mindset. Enjoy. Hello, Kevin. So I wanted to bring you on the show today because I know you have quite a colorful past when it's come to a lot of really cool things you've done. And I know our listeners can get a lot from you. So really what I'd love to jump into today is to get into this, this concept around business's mindset. You know, I read a, a quote lately that said, um, or recently that said, you know, people get into business thinking they can just start making money without changing, right? Personally changing. And anyone that starts a business or gets in business realizes really quick that the person that started the business, the mindset that started the business is not the person that can take it to where they want to go. So I'd love to talk to you about how that works. And since you've written many books on this, I want to get deeper into the mindset side in the winner's code. So Kevin, welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here, Joshua. Thank you. So, yeah, so let's jump into that. So if I'm, and I, you know, this was my story too when I first started was I was like, hey, we're going to start a business. We're going to make some money. I don't have to punch a clock anymore. I can make my own schedule. I can do everything on my own terms. But soon I realized that I owned my job, right? And we, we, it was a family business and we owned our jobs, right? If we didn't go to work, we didn't get paid. It was that simple. So now I became probably the worst boss I could have because I wouldn't listen to myself half the time, you know? So I'd love to talk to you about, I know you've, you've uh, coached a lot of people and wrote a lot of books on this. So I'd like to talk to you about how we get past that. How do we get past that that mindset of kind of owning your job and feeling like you own a business? Well, I mean, I, I, I learned a long time ago when I was reading a book called E-Myth, or technically it's called E-Myth Revisited, but everybody just refers it to as E-Myth. And, uh, and, and in E-Myth, they talk about the, the three different types of people. There's the technician, there's the manager, and the, there's, then there's the entrepreneur. Yeah. And most people that, uh, and, and I must admit, when I first read that book, I was pissed off. <laughs> really pissed me off. Because it basically said, if you're, if you're the person who's the expert uh, in, in, a, in a particular field, and you're going to start a business around that, the chances of your success is lower. Mm. And, and it was it is so counter uh, uh, intuitive it's because if you if you're a this is called the technician 
and you're going into a business as the technician, you have no idea what it's like to manage people. You have no idea what it's like to be the entrepreneur. So you're just creating yourself your own job. You, I mean, you, this is where a self-employed person has their own job. Now, if you can learn how to be the manager, you can be how to be the entrepreneur, then you don't, you're no longer in the field doing all that work. You know, yeah. Let's say you're, if you're a plumber and you go open a plumbing business, you should not be the plumber. You should be the one managing the plumbers going out to do the work. Yeah. If you're going to be the plumber the, it, itself, you, you're never going to grow. You're never going to uh, get past that nine to five uh, kind of uh, uh, work ethic. So if you're a, a contractor or something like that, you need to start looking at, let's say, becoming the general contractor or being somebody who's in charge of other people going out and doing the work. Now, you being the expert, that you're the, the plumber, the electrician, the, the, the roofer or whatever, then you can go out there and you can supervise to make sure that the work is being done correctly. Yeah. However, this is not something that you should be doing yourself. You should be going out there and actually just managing the other people and then looking at it as a as an entrepreneur this, uh, that is that's that's probably one of the first things i would tell any business owner um that if you're the one doing the day-to-day -day, uh activities you need to start uh, uh, expanding your business so you are no longer doing that day-to-day -day activities and you're now becoming the entrepreneur who is managing the people who are actually going out there and doing that work i totally get it kevin and it Trust me, like I said before, that was absolutely my story until I started to, I read E-Myth as well, and that one flipped my lid. And like, I, I read it, I was like, Michael Gerber's on to something here. And the idea of the, I think they had a bakery, right? Wasn't it Sarah and her yeah, bakery, bakery and all that? Yeah, and I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I do outdoor living. I'm a, you know, a, a landscaper, hardscaper, outdoor living pro. And I'm like, this, it's not a bakery, but how do I start systemizing things? How do I take myself out of the field? Because, you know, it really works well when I'm out there. It really works well when I'm with the clients. It really works well when I'm part of the, the sauce every single day. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about how we start pulling away. If we are the technicians, right? If we started the business, we are the plumber, we are the landscaper, we are the, the, the one doing the work. How do we start? like transition into management how do we transition into the entrepreneur like how does how do you do that how do you make the first few steps well in my opinion uh, how you make the first uh, few steps is to is to start subcontracting is mm -hmm. to say hey I'll, I'll take on this whatever your expert job is I'll, I'll, I'll take on this job but I'm not gonna do it I'm gonna hire somebody else to go and do it on my behalf that way you, you can start transitioning out and then let's, let's say uh, and let's just say that you are the plumber it doesn't matter if you're a landscaper or a roofer or whatever, but I pretend you're the plumber and you get a, a, a plumbing person to go out there and, and do the work on your behalf. And then maybe like, you know, maybe we can also not being a plumber, maybe we can also start doing the uh, electricians. And now you start getting an electrician going out there doing the work yeah. uh, with your city and your state. Maybe you go in and get your general contractor's license. And that way you can start doing these other, uh, uh, these other areas. Yeah. Uh, and then in my opinion, uh, you know, if you're a, a contractor, is to start finding other um, uh, uh, investors, uh, people who buy and, and, uh, and do uh, fix and flips. And then now you become a general contractor and you start working yeah. in these other areas. And then you just grow your business uh, that way. You just grow your business organically. But you got to learn that you're no longer going to be the one doing the work. Now, yeah. you may be the, the backup person in case somebody gets sick or, you know, or, or whatever. But the thing is, you're not going to be doing the work anymore. And you, and you have to be okay with um, uh, with uh, delegating that, uh, that, that kind of work to other people. I know that was one of my struggles. I mean, what you're saying after reading E-Myth, it was like, you know, if Michael, if you're telling me this in this book, it's got to be real. I know others that I 
truly believe in and that I see that are mentoring me, they're, they're telling me like, this is the way it is. And I was like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to own my job forever. That's for sure. Uh, I want to be able to be, have flexibility. I want to be able to go with my family on vacation for a few weeks. I want to be able to not have to get up every day at four o'clock in the morning and go out there and swing a shovel or swing a hammer, whatever it might be like. I, I want to be able to be more in, in, in charge of a bigger part of the project and not just be doing the project. So I know for me it was tough because the mindset that got me started as a technician was not the mindset that set me up for be a manager. That was painstaking in the beginning, right? That transition was oh, tough because I just want to go back out, right? You just want to go back out there and you're like, well, man, they messed something up or didn't go the way I wanted to or a client's not happy. If I was just on site, it would be so much easier. It'd be so much simpler. I could just do it this way. And then the, that's a, a cycle, right? That's a pattern in our minds that we feel like we've got to be there and that we're irreplaceable, which is bullshit, Kevin. We all know that, right? But, no, <laughs> but we want to be important, right? And we, if we were just there, this wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have cost me the money. But the problem with that is, and that's what I've learned the hard way, is that every time you go out and you rescue the group or you go out and do something like that, you're actually stealing from them the opportunity to learn, right? Because you and I both will make mistakes just like the field crews will make mistakes. So maybe not the same mistakes that you and I would make, but that's how they learn. They learn through trying something. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, how can we make it better? So as, as a manager, then you now have to have a little bit thicker skin and have more empathy for people and how they're starting to think. So that's the, the transition that I had to go through was, all right, well, no, I've got to fire myself as a technician. I am not allowed to go out. It's a rule unless, you know, well, hell breaks loose, but I'm not, I'm not allowed to go out. I need to now develop the skills in my time. So now that I have all this quote unquote time, Kevin, I've got to start developing those manager skills, not just sit back and watch Netflix and eat popcorn, right? Now it's like, I've got to now develop me personally to take myself to the next level so I can be that manager to take my team to the next level. Is that how you saw it as well? I, well, I said that is still a, a little bit uh, uh, from a limited uh, perspective because you talk about one project. What if you have four projects going on, 10 yeah. projects going on? Yeah. So, so, so that's where you got to start looking at this. Is like, this is not, a, hey, I want to go do this job and fix this one problem. Like, what if you have three crews, five yeah. crews? Yeah. They're all do, uh, do, uh, doing different things. And the thing is, uh, another book I was highly recommended is called uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh, and yeah. he talks about you got the employee, the self-employed, the business owner, and the investor. Now, a lot of people that start their own businesses are the S. If they were to go on a, like you said, take a vacation with your wife or uh, whomever, then then your, your then your business suffers. However, if you've got you know the crews there and you trust your crews. Uh, to that point, and they're working on four or five, six uh, uh, projects. You can actually take two, three, four, five weeks off, and then you can, and you know, your crews are are, are going to be doing well. Yeah. So that's the, that's that's the main thing is you have to step away and then start developing other people. But not only that, but but you have to start developing multiple teams. Yes, yes, and I love what you said there, Kevin. About if we're focused on being the technician, then technically you can have one maybe two projects going at a time maybe three if you're just kind of doing a little bit each day but when you have a team then and you start managing that team you can have multiple projects going on at one time which can be crazy it sounds nuts because you're like how can i one's enough to manage how am i going to manage three and four and then the supplies in and out and the manpower and the permits and all that stuff but you know that's a new muscle you have to build that's just a new bustle as you move into that new that new uh portion of your life you know going from technician to manager so that's well, 
Yeah. And it's also about the, uh, the fact that you're going to be creating systems. Yeah. So like you said, you have to pour the contracts and whatever. So you, you may have uh, where you had the head person on that project, and that, pro- and that person knows that, yes, on this project, we're going to have to get a, a um, we're to get all, all these these two or three or four different permits. We have to maybe sub- uh, submit something to the uh, recorder's office because you're going to be changing the square footage of a house, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, or getting big dumpsters on site. Then, yes, I mean, you, you will have that head person, and therefore you don't have to manage uh, all the uh, or, or you don't have to micromanage the, uh, each and every project. That's the truth. And if you guys out there listening are like, man, I'd love to get the heck out of the field and get into the office more and, and be able to manage instead of be constantly being out there, coming home, you know, just beat up every single day because, you know, no one else can do it as well as you can. Um, you know, if you want to try this out, the best way to, to figure out whether you can or can't do this yet is to take a week off. No connection to cell phones, none of that stuff. Just take a week off. And come back and see what broke, right? And then you're going to find out exactly where you need to train as a manager, where your guys need to train without you there. And you start to see where the deficit is. And then once you get that better, take two weeks, right? When, when I met my wife, she's from Germany, so they, they do different when it comes to vacation. For them, it's like weeks. It's not a week. Like a week is a joke. That's how long it takes to get to the places they go, right? So it's like now it's like, all right, then you need to spend at least, you know, seven to 10 days there. And when she first told, you know, the first time we started talking about going over to see her family, she's like, you know, we could set this up. It's probably be two and a half, three weeks. And I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never left my business for more than a week. Right. I'm like, so how does that work? Uh, and she's like, I don't know. You got to figure that out. And I'm like, that's true. I should figure that out that, you know, if I truly want to grow a business, I'm going to have to figure out how to have it run when I'm not there, you know? And, and so it, it forced me to start growing in that, to become the manager, become the entrepreneur, because if I wanted to go see family, this is what it was going to take to do that. It wasn't just a hop, skip, and a jump to the next, you know, the next city over. This was going to take some time. So anyway, I started getting quite used to being able to travel like that, but it's because I've had to. It was a necessity at that moment, right? So I say that to the guys and girls out there listening. You know, if you're the technician right now and you're always out in the field and you're doing the work, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want, if it's truly in your heart, to move up to a manager where you can start managing people the fastest way, as Kevin has said, and I'll definitely agree with that, is to start hiring a subcontractor to do little parts of your project. Maybe it's the plumbing, maybe it's the electrical, maybe it's uh, the ponds, maybe it's the, the landscape lighting, maybe it's the hardscaping, whatever it might be. Start hiring parts that you don't love. Find somebody in your area that has a similar uh, you know, core belief and structure and core values that you do and that you get along with. Maybe it's somebody from church or somebody that you met at your supply house or something like that. And start working together. Take them out for lunch and see if there's a symbiotic relationship that you can both win with. And then eventually somebody comes in and does some of the work that you don't want to do. And then I'm telling you right now, once you get a taste of that, you're not going back. I know after 15 years of having in-house crews and having everything under one roof, after I got a taste of subcontracting word at work out and working with specialized partners on things, that's 13, 14 years ago, I flipped completely over to that now. And, and Master Plan runs 100% on that model because I can hire the best for every project. You know, I know exactly what each of these guys are capable of, and I can bring them in and manage them to build the best version of whatever we designed. So I say that because it's not impossible because if this guy from the cornfields of Pennsylvania can figure it out, you can too. And here's the, here's the kicker to all of that. Once you become the manager and, and, you're, and you get that down, then you need to hire another manager to replace you so that you yes. can become the business owner. 
That's right. And then you could be a multiple. Then you could have multiple managers in multiple locations, and you could duplicate yourself. No longer are you in Philadelphia. Now you're going to be in Pennsylvania. Then you're going to be in New York. You're going to be in New Jersey. You're going to, and you start building that business. Like, have y'all ever heard of uh, was it two men in a truck? Yep. So they started off as two guys with a truck that started helping people move. Then they hired other people uh, to do that in, in their locality, and then they then they franchised. Yep, yep. Now that's the entrepreneur yep. uh, side of things. <laughs> no, I love it, and I love when the, the mind starts going there, and you're like, is that even possible? And then you start seeing people doing it, and you're like, well, if they can do it, why couldn't I do it? You know, you don't have to have a fancy degree for that. You just have to have the right people on your team. And those people are out there, right? It's really, it's not that hard to find them, really. So I'd love to get into, you know, we've talked about how, you go from the technician to the manager up into the entrepreneur, right? And each at each of those levels, as you move up, you need to change your own mindset. That's the biggest piece here, guys. And if anybody, if anybody has just told you that, no, you don't have enough leads coming in, you don't have enough work coming in, that's bullshit. What it is, is you're focused too much on the bottom line and not so much on the inner growth. So, so many people in this world spend more money on themselves than in themselves, right? And that's one of the biggest fallacies that's out there like hey as you make more money you should buy bigger things bigger houses all that stuff i say bullshit to all of that and i say you stop first and you invest in yourself if you're making great money hire a coach hire a mentor someone who's down the path that you've already that you want to go down and you know they're already successful in it hire them have them take decades and compress them into days for you and the next thing you know you're like holy moly you go from that technician to that manager in a year and you're like what it would take me a lifetime to figure that out on my own and the same with the entrepreneur then and you you keep growing because if you're not growing faster than your business is you're going to get stuck is that what you found kevin as well oh, I, oh absolutely i started investing in, in my uh, personal development and personal growth back in 2010 yeah. and that's when i realized and actually it was even before that when i hired my first coach yeah. um, I, I hired my first coach in 2003 and uh, in 2004, I moved from uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, to, uh, North, North Carolina to Las Vegas, Nevada, and it was mainly because of that coach. Yeah. And and I, and in, in that particular case, it was a real estate uh, investor coach. Mm-hmm. And that's about, in 2004, I moved to Las Vegas because there was this big housing boom. All this stuff was going on back then. This is before the bubble burst. And uh, and he taught me so much stuff. Like I did not know you could do that. I did not know you could do this or, th- or this other thing. It would have taken me months, if not years, to figure it out on my own. Yeah. But when yeah. after I hired that coach, and I, I started looking at uh, real estate investing in 2002, and I was a voracious reader. And then my coach was talking about something I would call an interest-only loan. Like, what? What is What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this was after a year and a half of, of doing a, 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 a real estate. I already owned uh, two houses and an apartment complex at that time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, this blows my mind. I moved out to Las Vegas. In 2004, and I started a, a real estate consulting business, which uh, I, I ran for 16 years. Hmm. Um, and it was all based because uh, of the information that I learned from that coach. Yeah. I mean, it would have taken me years, if not decades, to learn what I could, what I learned from him in, in like three months. So, That's yes, amazing, isn't it? yeah, <laughs> having, having a coach, having a mentor or a consultant or some, something like that that's giving you that information, that's, that's coaching and consulting you uh, as you're trying to grow your business is is huge. And here's here's what I've uh, what I've learned um, uh, 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 many, many years ago. Going the free route to do something self-taught is by far the most expensive way to go. Oh, 100%. By 100%. far. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I've been there. You've been there, right? It's like I could do this myself. I don't need to hire somebody to do this. It's crazy. There's no way I'm going to do that. I can. I'll figure it out myself. I'm going to get the book. I'm going to take the you know the YouTube course. We're good to go. And then you aren't because there's no accountability, or you know you don't have another person to challenge you because that's really what a great coach does. They challenge you with great questions. I've been very blessed to have great coaches. My first coach came from Emith, John Guancy. I'll never forget him. I learned a lot from that man. And eventually I got to a point where I needed to, to grow to past him. So ended up hiring another coach. And then I have my coach that I have now, Keith, and he's been with me now six years. And it's been, I don't know what I'd do without him in my life. You know what I mean? He's, he's really, he's helped me through so many of these transitions in life. And, and, but without him, you know, a constant here on the side, kind of talking through things. And a good coach is not going to give you the answer. The good coach is going to ask you a question. You've got to figure out the answer because that's when it's locks in your side of your heart. It's not when you're like, oh, yeah, you got this problem, do this. Like, if you're looking for that, you're not going to learn anything because a coach's job is not to, uh, not to give you fish. It's to teach you how to fish so you can do this the rest of your life. You know, that's, that's a great coach. But so what I'd love to talk to you about, you had this concept of the eight different mindsets. I'd love for you to unpack that for us. You've written a whole book on this. So I'd love for you to unpack this for us. Tell us about these different mindsets and how they apply to, you know, to our world as, as uh, entrepreneurs. Well, yes, I mean, I've written, uh, I'm a four times uh, self-published author. In 2019, I wrote a book called The, the Winner's Code, Secrets of the Winner's Mindset. And all, all of these books are, are available on Amazon. You can search it by, the, by that or Kevin A. Dunlap, because I use my middle initial and, and all my stuff. And, and when I wrote that book, uh, in all honesty, I wrote the outline of that book in about 45 minutes. Mm. And I, I was doing a what I call a, a free writing uh, session. Yeah. People call it a, a different things. And I basically was sitting out on the front porch, you know, sitting in a chair. And I said, I want to write a book about mindset. You know, what are the, what, what are the, uh, the, the different mindsets? And I came up with seven of them. I went to my Toastmasters meeting after I, you know, I kind of outlined the book. And, she goes, and I talked to this one lady. She goes, well, you forgot one. And she, and she mentioned the, the eighth one per, per se. And I put that into the book. Nice. And essentially, the eight different mindsets, there's only one mindset that is actually um, uh, good. The other seven, I don't want to say they're negative, but they're not as productive. Got it. And the, 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 again, the name of the book is called The Winners, the Winners Code Secrets of the Winner's Mindset. And the eighth mindset is the winner's mindset. It's all about how can I create a win-win situation? How can I make you win and I win at the same time? All the other seven are, are based more on, on like lose win, lose lose, or, or something like that. Now the eight different mindsets. I'm going to get a, a, a give this to everybody. The the first one I talk about is the the egotistical mindset. Mm. That's going to be the mindset where I, I'm first, you're second. I'm I, you know I can get whatever I can get, and then I don't care if you get what you get or not. So they're they're egotistical. The second one is the egotistical taken to the next level. I call it the pretender mindset. I will pretend to be your friend. I'll pretend to be your colleague. I'll pretend to be your collaborator. But it's it's all about me. Mm. You know what? What am I going to get out of this? It's not about you. I don't care if you get anything or not. Got it. The the third one is that even on a higher level is what I call the taker mindset. It's like I'm just here to take whatever I can. Uh, and I'm sure you're you know people who are egotistical, who are uh, pretenders, who are takers. Yes. Then there is the exact 180 degrees opposite of that. And uh, my best friend, uh, she was this way for quite a few years. It's the martyr mindset. Mm. 
I'm the one that's, you know, uh, woe is me, everything's happening to me, wah, 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 you know, I, I cry, but let me play the little violin for you. It's the, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's the person that's all about, like, uh, if I'm going to win, uh, you have to feel sorry for me. Got it. Okay. The one that, I'm not going to skip that one. The one that, uh, the other one is what I call the revenger mindset. It's like, you're going to attack me, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you even worse. I mean, you see this in in, uh, in the wars across uh, uh, the, the, the entire planet. It's like you you attack us, we're going to attack you even bigger. You're going to, you're going to you will send one missile to me. I will send five missiles to you. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to I'm going to take revenge upon you. The one that I had forgotten about is the, is the victim mindset. Mm. It's, it's similar to the martyr mindset, but the victim is you know is is just like everything's always negative happening to me. Yeah. Now the 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 seventh one the because the winner is the eighth the seventh one is by what I consider is is by far the worst mindset to have, and I call it the drifter mindset. Mm. The drifter is, uh, you know, I'm not doing any, anything different, and if you come to me five years from now, I'm going to be in the exact same place: relationships, money, business, career, you know, whatever it is. You're just drifting through life. And the reason I call that is the worst one. And there's a book that um, uh, Napoleon Hill wrote, the same guy that wrote uh, Think and Grow Rich. He wrote this book a couple of years after Think and Grow Rich, but he didn't publish he didn't, Not only did he not publish it, he was his grandchildren that published it. Yeah. It was uh, Outwitting the Devil. Love that it was, yep. And it was where he was having conversations with Satan, with, yep. with the devil. And the thing is, he didn't release it because the people back in that time frame could not, they would not, they were not open-minded enough to yeah. be able to hear a book like that. So it was either his grandchildren or his great-grandchildren that wrote Because they released it like 60 or 70 years later after he wrote it. Yeah, it's quite a story. And, <laughs> and in there, even the devil says, what is the worst sin of, of the human race? If is the drifters. Yeah, the people ones who are have just no direction. Yeah. And the thing is, a drifter is like, uh, the reason I call it the worst one is because you, you, it, it takes you a lot of energy to go from a drifter to doing something. If you're a taker, if you're a pretender, if you're a victim, all you have to do is change the energy. Yeah. But the drifter is like getting that locomotive going. like shh, 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 shh. It takes a lot of energy. But if you're on a, uh, on a train that's doing 60 miles an hour and you come to a crossroads, Change tracks. Got it. So, uh, so I love how you've broken that down. That that makes perfect sense. We we do a lot of work with sages and saboteurs, and this is, it sounds a lot like a saboteur complex where you have this like negative, you know, uh, if you will, voice in your head, and it's kind of directing you. And if you're being directed as a drifter, like don't don't make any decisions, just keep going, see what's next. Like don't really do anything. You're you're going to be stuck. You know, I, I can see how that being the worst and even victim and martyr and taker and pretender and all that stuff. Oh, so, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's the worst by far. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you say, if you're a pretender, all you have to do is, uh, and there was a, a movie that I can't remember, Sean Penn, I think uh, did, where he was a, a Nazi uh, racist. And then something came up, and then he ended up uh, understanding, say, uh, black people or something, uh, something along those lines. And then his whole attitude changed, but, and his energy changed. And so he ended up being like a hater, a, you know, a, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a taker or whatever. And now he's became a giver. Wow! Yeah. And it's it, it just it's just an energy change. Yeah, but yeah. a drifter, it is so. If you're drifting through life right now, if you just, you know, if you're where you are t ten years ago and you're at the same place, then it's like, you know, how can I start doing? How can I start putting energy into doing something? 
I mean, hiring a coach or a consultant would be great. Doing personal development courses would be even be it would be great as well. And just start opening yourself up to uh, uh, new opportunities and, and new things, and just start putting that energy into it. I love that, Kevin. I think the biggest thing that if you are a drifter out there listening and you're like, look, I just kind of been the same. I've got, you know, one year's experience, 20 years in a row, right? You don't have 20 years experience. You have the same experience 20 years because you just don't keep going anywhere. And that's, that's okay. Everyone's got a choice in what they do in life. But if that sounds like you, maybe you start thinking about why. Why are you a drifter? And why are you here? Why did God put you on this planet? What is your, what is, what is your, your goal? Do you have any goals for life? And if you don't, sit down and start thinking about why you don't, right? And if you start to create the why around it, the why is really the fuel that'll help you move forward is getting the why understood because I've drifted in my life as well. I've, I've had times where everything is going well and you kind of plateau and you hold and it's like, I didn't really grow a whole lot. And then all of a sudden you realize that you could feel that in your soul, man. You can feel that like you feel lost, especially as a man, you feel lost. Like you don't know what's going on. And so that is one of the worst places to feel constantly lost and like you're alone. And when it comes down to it, if you can break through by understanding your why, you know, when my first coach, um, that John Guancy from the uh, E-Myth, he had me do one of my first things he had me do, which I thought was crazy, but he had me do it and I did it, was to write my own eulogy, hmm. right? To sit down and write my own eulogy. And I was like, John, you're out of your mind. I'm like, I barely even know you. I've, I've never been down this emotional path before. I've never thought about this before. I'm like, I'm... No, I, I, all right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it because it's the homework. But uh, anyways, I remember sitting down on a Saturday morning and my two kids running around under my feet and, and I was writing down my eulogy, basically writing down what I wanted my life to have meant when I'm 100 plus years old and have died, right? A, a, a happy, fulfilled life. What is what I want that to look like? And dude, I was uncontrollably crying because I knew I wasn't that man at the time that I, was, I wasn't showing up for my kids. I wasn't doing any of those things. So all of a sudden, the why started to be clarified, right? It doesn't have to be like a, a, a spear tip, like you know exactly what it is at that moment. But if you can get in a direction and say, no, I don't want to live with regret on my deathbed. For me, that's a big one. Like I don't want to sit there on my deathbed and look back and say, man, what if I just tried? What if I said yes to that opportunity? What if I said yes to more time with my family? I don't ever want that to be in my soul. So with that being the case, when an opportunity comes up, I look at it and I'm like, all right, does this you know, make it so I don't have any regret or is this one of those fancy objects, those shiny objects that I chase here and there, you know what I mean? So defining that why will help a drifter start to move out. But sometimes it takes a deep work. It takes someone in your life that is willing to ask you the hard questions because if you haven't done it so far, you're probably not going to do it. Now it's a matter of getting somebody like that mentor or that coach that's going to really ask you some deep questions so you can start filling, figuring out your life. Well, and, and there's a good book and uh, uh, the, out there by a, a gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek. It's, mm -hmm. it's a book called uh, Start With Why. Yep. And I remember I met the gentleman when that book was first coming out. I got an autographed copy of it. I got a free nice. autographed copy of the book. <laughs> and way before it became popular, uh, he was giving a, a talk at something called the, the Catalyst Creative in Las Vegas, which is for, you know a place for startups. And this was, I don't know how many... Uh, 2010, 2011, and it was quite a few years ago. Yeah, and uh, and I remember that that was a life changer. I mean, it changed how I uh, how I, uh, I deal with my life. And when you and when you are mentioning this, I'm going to mention a movie, and uh, I, and, and I know this is a fictional movie, <clears throat> but it was a movie with uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, well, I'll just name the, uh, name the movie. It's called Yes Man. Okay. And, I think I've uh, seen that one. I've, I'm going to yeah, look it up. Got it. Uh, what's the what's the uh, Jim Carrey, and uh, Jim Carrey, <laughs> he's at a convention, 
and the person was saying, uh, start saying yes to more things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even though he didn't want to do it, he said yes. <laughs> yes. I think I remember that movie now, yes. <laughs> um, so um, if you want change in your life, say yes. Yeah. It opens you up to new opportunities for sure. So would that be your suggestion if you are a drifter and you want to get to that winner's mindset? Like, or, or if you're a martyr or, you know, a victim, like how do you switch from the, the seven not so good ones to the good one? Um, start, uh, start looking at things from another person's perspective, number one. And then uh, how, can I have, now how can I have them win while I win at the same time? Hmm. Because if it's all about you first, then it's then it's not a winner's mindset. If it's all about them, and then it's about you, and you still win because you're no longer a victim or a martyr, then that is the winner's mindset. Now the book goes into is there, the, there's four sections in the book. Even the book the book is is kind of like I talk about the eight mindsets at the very beginning, and then it's like what is your what are your mindsets with the people that, who are immediate in your life, like your wife, your husband, your children. Your, um, your, you know, the, the people in, in your life. The last chapter, I remember, I remember who uh, the first person who read the book that was giving me some feedback, and she hated reading the last chapter of the first section. And it's like, what is your relationship uh, with yourself? Yeah. Because in the book, I said, who do you lie to the most? Mm. You lie usually to yourself the most. Like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Nah, I'm not going to do it. Uh, you commit, but then you don't commit. That's right. So most people lie to themselves daily. Yes. So how can you start having a winner's mindset even with yourself? The second section of the book is, is goes into how are, uh, what kind of mindset do you have at, at work with yeah. your coworkers, with your underlings, if you're a manager, if you, uh, with the people who are above you. Uh, your uh, people who are, are lateral, and then the third, the last section, is going to be what is your uh, mindset w uh, as an entrepreneur, with your coworkers, with this, with general society. Yeah. So start looking at this. How can I be a win-win with all of these different people in my life? Now, most most people here, they're either going to be, uh, you know, they're going to have relationships of some type with friends or ch churchgoers or you know, you know, whatever it is. And then, uh, then you are either, uh, either going to be a, 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 a nine to five employee or you're going to be an entrepreneur. Some of you may be actually be both. And the thing is, you no, know, you know, start looking at that mindset from those perspectives as well. Now, I've been an employee before. I mean, uh, um, back in 2020, as I was transitioning out of real estate, I worked with the, uh, with the U.S. Census Bureau. And then I was like, what is my mindset with the people that are above me? And I thought most of those people were not very good as far as being management <laughs> material. Yeah. But then I was also a, the, the, a lead manager uh, of, the, all, of all the field operations. Like what was my mindset with my uh, the, the, the seven people that I was in charge of and the, or, and the hundred people that were below them or the thousands of people that were below them. And then, what, what is my mindset with them? Yeah. And then like, you know, and then what is my mindset with my immediate boss? So, so you always got to look at it like, how can I have my, am I suffering from a, Hey, I'm at my, at work I'm, or at home. I'm a, I'm a winner's mindset. My wife, my husband, uh, I, I treat great. But when I'm at work, like, well, I'm, I, I'm trying, trying to vie for that, uh, for that new promotion. How am I, you know, how am I undercutting the, the, the person? Am I doing this from a win-win perspective? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the key there is the win-win. That's really what lights you up and light your soul up as well. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, having to face yourself first. 
And it's something that I had to go through as well. And I thought I had it all figured out. My ego was locked in. I mean, like, yeah, I don't need help. I've got a great judge in there, you know, telling me I'm better than everybody else. Like all of that part, it was all locked in. That ego was just, it was fortified in there to shake that thing out. Oh boy. <laughs> it's not an easy <laughs> task, right? Because it's, it's been years and years and years of, of that same pattern running. Like it, it's, it has really deep, um, you know, deep grooves, if you will. So now it's a matter of saying, okay, that's not the case. So the first thing that I did was, I looked in the mirror, Kevin, I looked in the mirror and I started becoming honest to myself because I didn't like to see the man in the mirror. When it looked back at me, I knew all of my vices. I knew all of my poor mindset. I knew all of my fears. I knew all of that stuff, right? Lying to yourself. I was lying to myself a lot, but when I looked at that mirror, I was not happy with what I looked, who looked back at me. And I said, what would life be like if I looked in the mirror and I was actually proud of that guy? Like, what would be life would be like if not, not, you know, pride in an egotistical way, but just proud being like, wow, you're really serving this world. You're really a grateful person. You're really helping a lot of people, you know, live better lives. Like, what would life be like like that? And I set off on a journey to figure that out, to figure out how when I looked in that mirror that I could be proud of the man looking back at me and not be looking at all the negativity. And I have to say, after many years of personal development, I can finally do that. And... My point in saying all that is I had to face myself first in order to grow as a human, as a husband, as a father, as a business owner, as every other thing that I am in life. I've had to look at myself first, and most people won't do that first part. So I challenge the listeners out there, if you truly want to grow and you want to take your life to the next level and you want to leave a much bigger impact for your children and their children and their children and you want to leave a legacy and you really want your life to have mattered, it needs to start first with you looking in the mirror and having an honest conversation. And if you want to write that down, write it down and put it in a journal. If you want to just look and say it out loud, maybe it's a starting point for you. But look in the mirror. Everybody's got a mirror in their house. Just look in that mirror and be honest because that's where it all starts. And once you say those things out loud or you write them out, the different feelings you're having, like I'm just so scared of failure or I'm so worried because I don't have enough money for this week or I'm so afraid that I'm going to mess my kids up. I'm not going to be a great father or a great mother. I'm just so afraid that this world is going to you know, eat me up and spit me out. I'm not going to have the opportunities that I'm going to fail my family or fail whatever, right? Or I'm not enough or I worry about what everybody else thinks about me. When you start thinking that way, say, okay, that's a thought. It's not who you are. It's a pattern. It's a thought. Write those things down. And say, okay, how do we change that? And the fastest way to change all of those things is to start becoming more grateful and finding something bigger than yourself to serve. Those are the two ways out, guys. It's that simple. And gratitude is a very easy practice to implement. And helping other people, there's almost 8 billion of them. Plenty of people out there to help. So, Kevin, have you found out to be the way to, to get out of some of this mindset? Or do you have other thoughts or patterns for that? Um, I used to have a friend that I talked to on a regular basis. We're still very, very close. Uh, I consider her my, my, my brown sister. She's an Indian woman that lives up in, uh, in Vancouver, Canada. And um, for a while, one of the things that, uh, that she challenged me to do, and she was doing herself, because this is what inspired me after what she just said, was when, uh, when you first wake up in the morning, before you even put your feet on the floor, uh, say five things that I'm grateful for. Yes. I'm grateful for blank, blank, blank. I'm grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for my... You don't have to always come up with a reason why. Just be willing to what are you grateful for. 
Yeah. And then go look yourself in the mirror because you're going to have to go shave or or, or get yeah. ready for, for the day, put on your makeup, you know, whatever it is. Yep. But uh, before you even put your feet on the floor, when you first open up your eyes, you, you could be lying next to your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. But, you know, what are the five things that you're grateful for today? Yeah. And then tomorrow, what are the five things you're grateful for that day? They may be the same things or they may be something different. Yeah. Just be, you know, what are you grateful for? It's putting that gratitude practice purposefully in your life because you know what if i asked you kevin you know um when you went to the store last to pick up groceries and came back and i asked you how many red cars did you see during that trip and let's just i don't know how far is the grocery store from you um for me it's about two miles all right so two miles the grocery store two miles back big parking lot how many red cars did you see consciously i do not know but i'm i'm feeling you're getting into what's called the, the reticular activation system that's right <laughs> That's exactly what it is, right? So if I asked you right now and said, you know, Kevin, I'd give you a hundred bucks every red car you saw, take a picture of it, send it to me, I'll send you a hundred bucks. How many red cars are you going to see in that same two mile ride? Two miles would be a seven mile ride. <laughs> You're going to be taking a longer ride, aren't you? <laughs> but the point is that once you start looking for things, you start finding them. It's the same thing that happens when you buy a new outfit and then all of a sudden you see other people wearing it or you buy that car and next thing you know, you thought you were the only one with it and then it's everywhere. My wife just got a, uh, a Volkswagen Atlas and I hadn't even heard of that Volkswagen made an Atlas until she found one and loved it. And then now I see them all over the place and I'm like, holy moly, that's amazing how that works. And it's the same way with gratitude. If you have a hard time thinking of things to be grateful for, once you start thinking about being grateful, you will find more things to be grateful for. It is crazy how the brain works like that. You will find more if you put more effort and more purposefulness into it. So that is one of the fastest ways to shift you out of a a bad mindset or shift you out of a, a down mindset into a positive is just look how how can you not be grateful for just waking up and breathing you have a heartbeat you have people in your world you have people to serve you have opportunity of food you have warmth i mean all of those things are there every day well uh, that reminds me of a story and that one's this one actually is in my second book uh, I remember I was driving my car in, in Vegas at one time, and I was having people follow me, and my turn signal didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I had to get the, it's called like a little activator uh, in, in my car. And I remember I was driving between Decatur and Jones on the 440, or 415, or 515, I forget. And I was, and I knew I had a mile to go before I had to get off of the next exit. So I was heading uh, uh, um, westbound uh, 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 on the interstate, and I, was, and I saw this uh, van in front of me. And I noticed on the passenger um, uh, right on the passenger uh, backside that his his tire was flat, and I was thinking like I don't have a turn signal. Should I let him know so he can get so he can get off the next exit so before he causes an accident or or, or does a, a, a bad damage? So I said, you know what, I'm going to let him know, even though I knew I only had a mile to get before getting off the interstate. So I put up on his left, and I did that little thing about rolling down his window. And there was a white male sitting in the passenger seat, and the, and the driver's seat was, a, uh, was an Asian male. Now, that doesn't really matter. I'm just giving you a visualization. And he rolled down uh, his window. And I, you know, I, let him, I was like yelling at him, say, hey, you, you, you need to go check your tire. You've got a flat tire. And I noticed he, his arm was cut off on, the, on his right side. So he was driving with, with, with a stub. And then he raised his left hand, and it was cut off right here, right, right, right below the elbow. And then I was thinking, like, I am so grateful to have two hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <clears throat> And, yeah. and the guy in the passenger seat had both arms and hands. Yeah. So the driver was the one that didn't have it. 
Wow. It is, right? We just, we take for granted so many things like, you know, even having eyes. Exactly, to walk. I can see, I can hear. Yeah, all of those things. There's many people that get up every single day and don't have those opportunities and don't have those those beautiful blessings. So, you know, we don't have to go far. It doesn't have to be a big house and a big car and and whatever it might be for you. It can be the simple thing that God gave you. It's just. I've got running water. Yes. Electricity. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) When you can be happy for those basic things, the breath, you know, the the air in your lungs, the the beating heart in your chest, and focusing on just how amazing that is, it beats 100,000 times a day without you having to think about it. You can just take that as a miracle every day and just wake up and say, thank you, God, for one more. I mean, how bad could your day possibly get? I mean, yeah, you might be throwing things from the world, big deal. They bounce off you because you're just happy to be alive. That changes the game. It changed my game. Mm -hmm. So good. Dude, so I could talk to you all day about, you know, all this stuff, <laughs> mindset and gratitude and all that. So, um, Kevin, how can people find you? How do they get your books? So what do you got for them out there if they want to keep going? Well, oh, well, my name is Kevin A. Dunlap. So if you were to search um, uh, for Kevin A. Dunlap online, uh, you can usually find me on there. I'm not Kevin Wayne Dunlap, which is part of the, the murder cyclopedia. But <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> I'm not that guy. Slight difference. <laughs> I'm, not in, I'm not in Kentucky prison right now. Uh, <laughs> that would be an interesting but, yeah. podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the, I mean, I'm a business consultant. I'm a business coach. I work with uh, other businesses, uh, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. Um, the name of my company is called Optimal Performance Academy, which you can search for that. My website is optimalperformanceacademy.org. Now, I do have online programs. I've got uh, a book. I've got four books. Again, you go to Amazon and search those books under Kevin A. Dunlap. You'll usually find uh, my first book. I don't know, I don't talk about very much because it's a real estate uh, book. It's called Lease Options Made Easy. My second book was Designing Your Own Destiny. Uh, which is a personal growth, personal development book and workbook. My third book is The Winner's Code, which we've talked about already in this, uh, on this podcast. And my fourth book was, uh, is called I Launched the A to Z and Creating a Successful Business. So it's all for those. Uh, it's a book and workbook for people that are looking to grow their businesses. Um, so you can, you can find all of those on, on Amazon. You can find OptimalForanceAcademy.org online. And then the, on, the, on the first page, if you want to do a 30-minute uh, a, a consultation about your business, go there, and you'll see where you can do a 30-minute a, a uh, discovery session. So uh, I'd be more than happy to, you know, with all the people that are on this show, that are listening to this show or watching this show, if you happen to be on YouTube, um, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about your business and see how we could possibly work together. I love it, Kevin. Thank you for that. And listeners out there, if you love what you're hearing here with the mindset and his uh, you know, background with E-Myth and Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the real estate side business and all that, then reach out to him. He's giving you some great options there. So, Kevin, do you have any, any – if I asked you uh, the one piece of advice that changed everything for you, what would it be? Start following your dreams. Life is too short. Because uh, – because when I was writing the, uh, the, the Winner's Code, I was talking about the drift of mindset. I mean, I drifted through life a, a lot of my, uh, for a lot of years. And it, 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 maybe I was okay with one area, but I was, I was drifting through another, like, you know, relationships or something like that. Is to, is to start saying yes and to start taking more, um, uh, more risks. I love that. Because life is short. And the last thing, the last thing, and Joshua already mentioned this, the last thing you ever, 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 ever wanted to do is say, I wish I did this. Yeah. Like, then go do it. Exactly. What's the worst thing that can happen? You have to do it again. <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe you fail, maybe you win, right? I look at it this way. Every failure is one step closer. And, uh, you know, it's just one thing that you've learned that doesn't work. So you just keep going at it. 
That's the. Well, I mean, it, yeah. it, it is persistence is key, and then there's another thing is that you can create your own manifestations. Yeah. Now, I, I know we're about, we're about to go here, but I, I want to give another little uh, 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 um, piece about me. At, there was one point when I was uh, just finished. I, ju I, I just the, the first business that, the, the, that I was running basically closed, and I was happening to be sleeping on somebody's couch in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had thought about getting into the film industry. And I wanted to get into doing stunts. I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't want to be working on sets, you know, behind the scenes. Like, you know, how can I be on a film where I, where I don't have lines and I don't have to be on set for, you know, three months at a time? Like, stunt work. I'm just there for the stunts. Yeah. So yeah. I decided to go to Wilmington, North Carolina to go and check. I was like, you know, because Wilmington is a, and I, at that time I knew it was a, it was a film town. And uh, this was on a Friday, and I happened to be in a phone booth. I, had, I, I bought a map, and I bought a newspaper, and I got a roll of quarters, because this is 2004. It was before um, uh, cell phones, uh, for the most part. And, and you know, it's like, uh, do I want to be here in Wilmington, North, uh, North Carolina? So I was looking at places to live, and I started looking for a job. And in the phone booth, guess what I saw? What'd you say? It was a it was an ad you know with a little t uh, little tear off uh, little things like mm -hmm. this uh, uh, on Saturday at uh, at Screen Gym Studios it's going to be a stunt show. <laughs> so I went that Saturday. I met an independent film uh, stunt troupe that was doing that was doing some stunts. I was living there one week later. I manifested wow. that entire thing. Incredible. That's crazy. I mean, it, and that's yeah, and that yeah. just changed my life forever. Yeah. That one, that one phone booth changed yeah. my life forever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Thank you for sharing that, and uh, thank you for coming on and sharing. You know all this good work you're doing for the world and helping people out of out of their own mental prison. I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? Uh, especially with business owners and landscapers, hardscapers out there, living. You know, professionals. We work really freaking hard, and it's yeah. so easy to start beating ourselves down and finding ways out through alcohol or porn or weed or whatever it might be. Like constantly looking for ways out to fill that hole. It's inside that we're not filling with through fulfillment, right? And when you start focusing on it, if that sounds like you out there and, uh, you know, and you start saying, you know what, I'd really wish I didn't have that stuff in my life. I really wish I could have all this stuff you guys keep talking about. It all starts with a decision. It all starts with a decision that, you know what, I'm not going to tolerate this life anymore. And you talked about this different mindsets, you know, the, the egotistical, the pretender, the taker, the victim and other ones, the drifter as well. You know, for me, that's the enemy. Those are the enemy that, that uh, you know, set up roost in your head and they sit there and scream in your ear all the time. And I've recently come up with a, a way in order to help get them the hell out of your house, out of your head. And hopefully this helps somebody out there. I know it's helped me significantly, but it's, it's I say, look, I refuse to let the enemy sit at my table. I refuse to let the enemy sit at my table. And I, I, it's like an incantation. I constantly keep chanting that I refuse to let the enemy sit at my table when I feel that anxiety coming on or I feel like a victim or I feel like man this whole world this whole thing of life is, is happening to me or when I'm starting to feel like the pity party's coming on I stop it and I say I refuse to let the enemy sit at my table and I say this and it might sound crazy to listeners out there but man does it flip the switch I'm like wait a minute here I'm not a victim I'm a victor God didn't put me here to be a victim I am now just letting patterns that have been going on for years constantly keep coming back and telling me that I'm not enough, that I don't have what it takes, that somebody else is going to take it all from me or something like that. And that's all bullshit. When I stop letting the enemy have a seat at my table, I can finally take control of my life 
And that has been something that has absolutely shifted. So if that resonates with you guys, try it. Get loud. Get really loud with it. Demand that this stops happening. And the crazy part is, it will. So Kevin, thank you for coming on today and sharing what you've, you know, what you're doing in the world. And I appreciate you, brother, and everyone out there listening. Chat with you next week. Uh-huh.